So hi and welcome to Mind Your Peas, the Purposeful Leaders Guide podcast. We believe in all the peas, people, purpose, philanthropy, planet, even pizza and Prosecco. And this week we're speaking to Bruce Walker, who's the Chief Exec and Founder of FutureX, who has pioneering as a key value. And we'll find out more about that soon. At just 26, Bruce is a well-established name in the Scottish startup scene and uh, working with big hitters. Uh, such as Facebook, Google and HubSpot and he knows a thing or two about the importance of leading with purpose and was once quoted as saying that his aim is to reach a point where people starting a company are purposefully doing it to solve a problem and that money is the byproduct that allows them to do that. So Bruce, welcome. It's a real pleasure to have you with us. Yeah, absolutely. Great to be here, Caroline. Excited. This is exactly the kind of conversation I, I like to have. Um, absolutely love the conversation and where it's got to around purpose and the fact that it's continually moving more into the mainstream. Um, and so the more that we can do that through this podcast as well, um, yeah, I'm excited to be involved. Brilliant. Well, look, let's let's dig right in. Um, so I hear you've got quite the entrepreneurial story to share. And is it true that you first worked with Alan Sugar when you were still at school? So I always think that it's... Uh, it's a, it's a funny story. I'll tell you the story about it. I think work with is, is really stretching it to as far as it could <laughs> possibly go. Um, what, what happened is that when I was in school, I had the opportunity to take part in Young Enterprise Scotland. So we were to come up with a business idea and we tried a few things and it hadn't worked. But I was reading Alan Sugar's autobiography at the time. And we decided that we were going to host a, an event for, for entrepreneurs and we we're going to invite people to come and share their stories. And I think that the naivety of being a 16, 17-year-old was, I thought, I'll just ask Alan Sugar if he wants to come and speak. Um, not really thinking about how I would do that or how that would, uh, you know, how that would work. But anyway, I discovered his, who his PR agency was uh, because it was in the book and in his autobiography. And so I just sent an email to the head of their PR agency and I didn't get a response at first. So I then sent an email to everyone in the agency, every email address I could find until eventually I got a response um, saying, hi, Bruce, we've received all 12 of your emails. Um, thanks for getting in touch. And said that, you know, Alan, um, you know, tell us the dates of your event. We'll see if he's able to come along. Um, as it worked out, he wasn't actually able to make it up to Scotland. But the really cool thing is I wrote back to them and said, okay, that's totally fine. Uh, can I just have a, a quote from Alan endorsing the event? And this was my first insight into how these things work uh, at like 17, 17. They emailed me back and said, yeah, absolutely no problem. Do you want to write the quote and we'll sign off on it? Um, and so I then wrote back and said, yes, uh, this is the most exciting event to happen in Scotland for many, many years, blah, blah, blah. Um, and next thing you know, Alan Sugar signed off on it. And then we had a genuine quote from them. And that was really quite amazing because that then opened the doors to so many other uh, other people um, and then we ended up working far more closely and intimately with many other people um, but that was the first thing that I, I suppose inspired me that you can just ask and that these things are not as complicated as you think they are and that you've got to take a bit of a risk and you've got to be a bit cheeky sometimes you've got to put yourself out there um, expect for people to say no and just be really really grateful when they say yes I absolutely Love that. I've actually got a sticky note on my computer here that has just ask on it <laughs> because yeah. the, the story in your head that, and the conversation in your head that you play through is completely different from, from the real one, isn't it? 
Absolutely. And you could tell yourself and convince yourself quite rightly that people, why should they want to help you? But it's just not been my lived experience. Uh, it's that my lived experience is that people really want to help you. You've just got to find the right way and, and the right time to ask. And so, you know, that, that, you know, some people could look at that and think, oh, that was brave. You know, it must mean that you've got, you know, tenacity, drive, persistence. How, how would your friends describe you, Bruce? Um, <clears throat> I'd like to think they would say I was quite funny, um, but maybe that's just what I would say about myself. Um, I think that I think they would describe me as someone who's uh, ambitious. I think they would always say that I was I've always been quite ambitious, um, as in like I have a I have an unusual belief in myself um, that that I can do things. I certainly believe I can do it before I'm proved otherwise. Um, I also like to think they would they would say that I was. Um, I really cared about things so I got I get passionate about things and I get really really passionate about them um, and that could be anything from you know whether it's work or whether it's politics whether it is the environment or whether it is arguing about you know sports or something that happened you know down the pub I you know I, I like a good a good discussion on things I like to get into things and, and tear them apart um, so I suppose overall they, they'd probably say I was just very curious interested in things you know wanting to explore um not taking things for for face value have you ever asked them no i dare to i i, I daren't ask them carolina i wouldn't like to know the answer <laughs> i was thinking about that pub conversation they're always the best right after a few gins um so what what you know just to dig a bit deeper into that and who you are as a person bruce what what on your cv do you think your family would be most and least proud of um, it's a tough question, you know, I think, um, I've done, you know, I've had the fortune of, of getting started very early and young. And so lots of the things that I think that I managed to achieve in the early stage, my parents were, were exceptionally proud of, you know, whether it was just even our first ever event when, when I was at school, putting that on, I think that, that was something that was a big achievement that people didn't expect us to do. I think the first time we ran a program in Silicon Valley was like, you know, what is this 19 year old doing? Um, I think increasingly though, the thing that I would hope people are most proud of is that we're proving you can build a company that is good for people, is good for wider society and can be sustainable, can be economically sustainable as well. Um, so I hope that's what people would be most proud of. I'm proud of the fact that I've, um, you know, I've never really been employed by anyone else. I had one month I worked in a bar during the Edinburgh Festival one year. Um, and that's the only, that's the only employment I've ever had. Um, before that, I was a self-employed magician, believe it or not, when I was in school. Um, and so I've always had that kind of, you know, just do your own thing. Um, what would they be least proud of? I don't know, actually. Maybe because I've not got much of a, a history of, of employment, there's, there's nothing for them to be least proud of. Um, I, I love that. Self-employed magician. What's your best trick? Oh, I was my best trick probably was um, I would do some mind reading and I would I would uh, predict the card that someone had picked and it would then be on the wall somewhere around them. And it would. Uh, yeah, there was lots of good stuff. I, my first job actually was working in a um, pub um, in Falkirk. But I was actually only 16. They had no idea. I think they thought I was 18. Um, but I was only 16. I was going around doing tricks to to very drunk uh, people in the in the bar who thought it was great 
Yeah, who loved it? <laughs> Brilliant. Brilliant. See the things? That's a great question. I'm going to use that one because you just would never, you just never know. But listen, to, you know, tell us about the business then. Why, why, why did you build why did you build it, Future X? And I think you've got a couple of other brands. Talk to us about all that. And, and you know, I know, you, I know you've got a lot in there around people and purpose, all the P's that we love. So, um, you know, tell us a bit about that. So <clears throat> when I got started, it was really because I'd never, I didn't really know what entrepreneurship was and I didn't really know what startup business was. But I really liked the idea that when you're passionate about something that actually you can make something from nothing. You can materialize things from nothing. And so my, the very beginning of my journey was really just about learning. All I wanted to do was learn how these things worked. And the more I understood about entrepreneurship, the more I realized that it's the perfect model to help people and to empower people, not just with um, opportunities, but sustainable opportunities for, for growth. Um, and then I did, I got involved with um, some organizations that were very much around kind of personal development as well. And I realized that the biggest change we can make is how we as individuals treat other people. That's the, begin, that's the beginning of, of being purpose-driven for me. It's how you treat people. Um, and so I then became very excited by the model that if all businesses were purpose-driven and cared about more than just the economic function of, of making money but the reason for existing being something far greater than that actually you can impact not just your life not just the people uh, immediately in your life but the knock-on effect can be massive and then if you use the tools of business to reach scale then you can use that model to reach hundreds of millions of people and you can really affect change um, at scale and that's what futurex is really all about is is enabling where I, I suppose we're an ever-evolving project that cares about making business for good the default mainstream approach and we want to teach people how to do that in a way that is uh, economically successful as well as has a positive impact and you know it's it's pretty insightful of you to do that as a as the first as the first entrepreneurial go i suppose um you know we we speak to and meet lots of people who've tried things that hasn't quite worked out and they've learned from it and then they've maybe landed at something that you've just described. So what what do you think is it that's in you that wanted to do this right from the start? Um, <clears throat> I think it's a couple of things. So if I look at me and Zoe, who's my co-founder, is that we've got um, very different life experiences that led us here, but a similar kind of thread, I suppose. Um, so... For background, Zoe is from Greece and she was in Greece during the you know, economic collapse and she saw the way that the system is not sustainable and doesn't serve people and the disasters that it can create. And so she really wanted to, to move into business as a, an entirely different model. For me, I think I grew up with this like injustice complex where I hated seeing injustices and I didn't really understand why everyone else was standing by while we were operating in a system that didn't serve people and it didn't serve the planet either. You know, we were actively decaying lots of the systems around us. And I just, as a young person, naive enough to wonder why, why are we just not doing anything about it? Um, and then in the same ways, when I, you know, was leaving school, 
we were told that there's no jobs out there and that we're in a recession and that you're going to have to go and work for free for lots of different people in order to prove yourself. And then once you've proven yourself, maybe you'll lucky enough to get a corporate grad scheme that will take you on and so on and so on. And it just sounded like it wasn't for me and that that wasn't going to, that wasn't going to make any change. Um, and so I guess I never had this lofty belief that I was going to change the world, but I just thought I'm going to do something. I'm just going to do something. And then one step leads to the next step, to the next step, to the next step. And then other people want to get involved and other people telling you this is a good idea. So I didn't have any grand master plan. I just knew I didn't like how things were at the moment. And I was just going to keep taking steps to, to try and remedy it. I love that. And, and so, you know, there's a couple of things there. I mean, how, how do you live it or embody it in FutureX? How do you ensure that you're a purposeful leader? And then second to that is how, as part of your offering, how do you teach others to do the same? So in FutureX, it is the, the major focus is put on listening. So Zoe and I and our leadership spend a lot of time listening and really authentically, actively listening to what people are saying, not just waiting to speak, which I think is a really common thing, is that, you know, we're just waiting to see the next, next thing. Um, and then reflecting on it. So taking time to process it. Um, and that helps massively because it reminds you to see everyone as, as human beings, as flawed individuals who come with baggage. And, you know, and I, the, the thing I often do is I just look back at myself and I think, you know, well, I come with baggage. I come with preconceived ideas. So, you know, how would I like to be treated in an ideal world? Um, and I read a great thing uh, once that was talking about how everyone is someone's most important person in the world. So whether you're, you know, a friend, a daughter, a, you know, partner, whatever it might be, you know, you mean something really important to someone else. And then think about how would you want the most important person in your life to be spoken to? How would you like them to receive feedback? And I, I, I try to embody that as much as possible, um, thinking about, you know, what's the best way to get the, the positive result here um, and I'm almost always prepared to surrender my own ego to get there because it's the easiest thing for me to give up it costs me nothing um, other than you know the perception of pride um, I can I can give that up easily in order to get um, so I think that's a big part of it um, I think there are more practical things behind that which is we um, provide flexibility so there's flexible working we actually work a four-day week um, that for me is all very important because it's about making sure people have free time because that's when they're able to create creative space. They're able to think more laterally. If we try to cram people into working every waking hour, then it's just a zero sum game. They can't, no one can keep up with that. Um, so that's some of the practical ways. And then as a business, we are trying to be an example. So one part of it is being transparent and talking through how we make decisions. Um, but then the really exciting thing is, is that we're able to tap into like incredible brands and leaders from all over the world and share their experiences as well, because there's no point in us all trying to learn on the first principle kind of basis. We might as well learn from other people who have done this already and it's working for them. Um, and they talk through, you know, going from being a sole trader individual to employing thousands of people and how you keep that uh, idea of purpose and values inside your organization all the way through. Um, and it often involves 
transformations at different stages, you know, turning things upside down. But if you do that with a consistent purpose and values, um, then it should be much easier. And and Bruce, there's something really that resonated there with me. I did um, a conscious leadership um, short course with Soul Tire Leaders Entrepreneurial Scotland. And one of the things in there was around um, treat every employee like your precious child, which is exactly what you're talking about, which really reframes everything that you do. So, you know, I've got two daughters. How would I like them to be spoken to in work? How would I like them to be led by whom? You know, and, and all those things really um, help to reframe. So, you know, who who does this well? Who, 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 you know, have you got any specific examples of people or organisations that do this stuff really well that, that you know, the listeners can, can really tap into? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's loads of people. So, you know, I believe in it's not just what you do but it's it's how you do it um and so some of the people it's about you know how they do it uh, like famous brands like patagonia um are, are very very good very brand activists very clear what they believe in um brewdog this year i think have been a great example of um at least living their purpose whether it's your purpose or not many people uh, might be on either side of the camp but it's very clear what they do um we had the uh, managing director of Ella's Kitchen, which is um, baby food brand, uh, all sustainable. They're great. You know, they talk very much about this. They're a B Corp company. Um, but also, you know, in the maybe in the more local ecosystem, um, I see people like uh, Talking Medicines, um, who are, are, are like a tech for good company. Um, and it's also the way that they operate as a business. Um, and one of my favorites at the moment is actually um, Olio, which is the food sharing app. Um, I just think that they have perfectly combined really slick technology and experience with reducing waste, sharing more, um, and their purpose and values kind of comes through. And I actually had the chance to speak to Sasha, who's their co-founder, uh, the other week and did an interview with her. And she just spoke about as a company as well. Um, and one of the cool things that she actually mentioned was that when they're hiring, they don't specifically ask about their value or purpose, but that's what they're listening for. And I just love that is, is that that's a really authentic way to get people to find out whether people actually care. You don't ask them a question about it. You wait to see if it comes out through their stories and anecdotes and things. Um, but, there, but increasingly, there are so many. And I think that's, that's a really encouraging thing is that there are role models out there. Um, the final one I would add is a woman called Claude Silver, who is the chief people officer at Vayner Media. Um, and Gary Vaynerchuk is the kind of famous founder of Vayner Media, but Claude is their um, head of people. And she talks about, you know, how it's her job. Um, she works for the 900 people in the company rather than the 900 people working for her. And it's a good way to, to, to showcase how she thinks about it. Yeah, I love that. And, you know, the... This stuff isn't easy, is it? I mean, what, what about if you're a company who's been around for, you know, I don't know, 40, 50, 100 plus years and you're an employee now who's come into this company and, you know, is well established, but they haven't really had any kind of people in purpose focus. So, you know, we speak to lots of businesses, as you know, Bruce, for Social Good Connect and, and some of them, you know, a volunteering culture, which is what we provide, is really tough they've never done it before so it feels awkward it feels like you're trying to shoehorn something into their organization but there are those within those organizations who are really championing changing 
um, you know, how, where should they start in terms of changing that com company culture? I think that part of the challenge with why it's really difficult is that it, it does require an element of personal transformation or, or um, kind of personal awakening, I suppose, in that, like the things we've said earlier, is the kind of traditional style of leadership, particularly I would say the male-dominated style of leadership, is, is not to listen, it's to dominate, it's to project and get kind of commanding control style structure. And that, that is not the most effective way to nurture um, empowered leaders within your whole organization. I think that's what people should think about is that leadership is about cultivating more leadership skills within everybody, even if they're not a manager or they're not, you know, they don't have to occupy that position to, to, um, to emulate leadership skills. And I think that's what all organizations could do more of is think about how do they empower each individual to be a mini leader within their organization and then think about well how would you do that and well people need to be heard that's a really big thing is that people want to feel like if they're going to make a contribution that it's not just dismissed even if you don't agree with it the, the job is to hold the space for it to be shared and explored and it's little things like this it's often the really subtle changes are required so people feel like they're valued there's so many times that people feel cynical towards kind of corporate transformation programs where you know we're going to adopt a new culture it has to be consistent you know it has to be every day this is something that you're doing this is something that you're um, uh, you're modeling really and I think that's the big thing is, is it's not easy because you're going to have to model and pretend a little bit and act out almost you know what would the best boss in the world look like and then and then act that one out um, and I think what you'll see is you'll start to see changes um, and then you need to just nurture those changes. Um, and the big thing is, is that rather than, you know, punishing behavior you don't like, it's really about rewarding behavior you do like and making that an obvious thing. And I think that's a good way to start to evoke change within bigger companies is start to reward the contribution that was really valuable rather than the contribution that was, was not valuable, you know, rather than shutting people down, make more of an effort to big people up when they've made a good a good suggestion yeah i mean that's you know it's just it's just so it's, it sounds like common sense doesn't it but actually mm -hmm. for some people that's really tough especially if you work in a sector that you know you've sort of described you know probably financial services where i worked was very much like that in in, in the day where it was sort of you know really led by people who didn't listen i'm so intrigued by your listening comment because i mm. really really struggle with this bruce <laughs> which yeah. is why you know i always exactly what you described right at the start i'm always thinking when someone says something you know immediately i've got things going on in my mind rather than that really stepping back and authentically listening it's you know, i think that's the really really important point because i'm you know i'm similar in that you know it's not always i don't do it naturally all of the time and it, this is these are not things that if you don't aren't able to do every single time that you've, you've failed at it. This is something that is all of us just trying to be aware of all of the time. You're not gonna get it right 100% of the time, any of the time. You're just gonna have to, you know, it's almost like catching yourself when you're doing it and be like, oh, wait, 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 what are they actually saying? Because I, I find that is I used to be terrible at names and it was really because I probably wasn't listening. I just wasn't listening. And then I had to really go through a process of being like, I'm listening to their name 
and then using their name really quickly so that I get into the habit of actually, you know, remembering it. And I think it's the same with these things is you've got to just practice it out. Sometimes it feels like, you know, it's a bit obvious here, but it's often not obvious. It's not as obvious as, as we think. Um, and, you know, I think that's the lesson is that none of us are perfect. It's, it's all a journey and we're just trying to get better, you know, as, as we go. I think, you know, and that's that's what a pur purposeful leader is all about. It's not about knowing it all and having all the answers and doing things right now. It's about trying stuff and iterating and changing. And, you know, yeah. it's it's all that really, isn't it? Absolutely. Um, and so has has anyone ever surprised you with sort of, you know, their philanthropic efforts, I suppose, you know, unlikely candidates or volunteers or business leaders? <clears throat> I mean, a lot of people have helped me along the way in lots of ways, whether it's, um, I remember a guy, uh, Brian Williamson spoke at my um, event when I was at school. I invited Brian to speak at that event and he said, yes. And then a year later I said to him, I'd like to take this forward, Brian. Um, and he just, and he agreed, he wrote me a check for I think 500 pounds or something um, just to get me going, you know, at, at 17. And that for me was a massive vote of confidence. That was a you know small amount of money, but, it got me my business cards. It got me feeling like a business person um, all the way up to uh, how I met Sir Tom Hunter is, a, is quite a fun story. Um, I had, I'd actually tried to meet Tom a couple of times before this point. Um, and so I'd been at events and things and I'd gone up. I, I don't know if he knows this part of it, but I'd gone up and I'd spoken to him a few times and, you know, he's a, he's a very busy guy. Everyone wants, wants a word with him. And so I, I never really went any further than just, you know, very good. Um, until we were both at an event at uh, Hollywood Palace and we just so happened to be leaving at the same time and I noticed he was walking down the stairs and so I thought oh here's my opportunity he looked like he was sneaking away um and so I used this opportunity <laughs> you are stalking on Bruce come on <laughs> it honestly it actually was just complete luck that we're walking down at the same time and uh the car park's quite long from you know the palace to the to the gates it's quite a big car park and so I had a captive audience for at least a good three minutes um and so I just <laughs> I just I tried to pitch him without pitching him this time and I just told him a story um and it was a story about how you know I got over to Silicon Valley and and got that started um and at the end of it he just said that's really interesting I'd, I'd like to hear more about that um, and he gave me his email address and then I ended up actually going down to his, uh, his house in London and I met him in his house in London and I would say about maybe 12 months later um, he essentially like invested about £100,000 in FutureX um, through the Hunter Foundation through the philanthropy and it was venture philanthropy so he didn't actually take a stake in the business he essentially gave us a £100,000 to really launch FutureX, and that's what enabled us to create the Impact Summit. Um, and so that that for me is, you know, I've always been blown away by how generous he is with his time, with his wisdom, um, and you know, he has been with with investing his money as well. Yeah, it's so important, and you know, that when you talked about what Brian did, that kind of quick check that you know, I believe in you. It's that belief, isn't it? So if you believe in someone, that gives you the confidence to keep going because. I think I've, I spoke to you before about this, Bruce, but, you know, I, I was about to give up on Social Good Connects. It was really tough. It was really tough to try and get the startup funding, 
to get people, um, you know, engaged in it. it. It felt like sometimes people thought, you know, that, that having a, a culture of employee volunteering was a nice to have rather than mm. something that should be part of the DNA. And, um, and you know, Craig, Andy and Danny and I ended up in a virtual pub where I think I said all great things happen. But, you know, it was about that belief, them saying we believe in this, keep going. Yeah. Um, so sometimes that's all it takes, isn't it? I think so. I think that's such a massive, massive part of it is that we need others to believe in us and to show that they care um, just to validate our own feelings sometimes, because it's really hard when you're, you know, you're up against it and you're seeing it, at, you know, point blank detail. Um, and that, that, that perspective is not always great. And sometimes someone coming in and saying, like, I can see it a bit, you know, from a big a bit of a clearer picture. And I think what you're doing is great. Um, we all need that from time to time. And that's why. I never really see it as my job to tell someone that their business idea isn't good enough. I, 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 it's, that's not the way it works. People are what make businesses thrive. So the business idea in of itself is, is never going to be enough. It's the conviction of the individuals behind it. And that's why I always see my role is that if people come to see me, I always try to get them leaving feeling energized because there's always an opportunity, you know, you could take something like Airbnb and, you know, you would rightly say that on the face of it, on paper, that sounds like a terrible idea, but yeah, it's a great idea. Do you know? And so I think that, you know, we need to always catch ourselves to, to remind ourselves that it's people that make businesses happen, not, not just the ideas. Definitely. Definitely. And um, so tell us about your value pioneering. What is that? How, what is it and how do you live it? So pioneering for us is about taking risks, really. It's about saying that we're prepared to do things that others might not have done before. And we're prepared to kind of furrow the path for others um, and kind of pioneer different ways of doing things. Um, and that's a really important one to us because particularly as you start to grow, it's easy to think that, oh, you know, I've seen this model over here. I'm just going to replicate what they've done and, and tweak it a little bit. Or it's times when you say to yourself, you know, why can't we work a four day week? You know, who says you can't work a four day week? Why doesn't that? Um, and to be fair, we've, we've been doing a four day week probably before it was cool. You know, before it was popular, we've been on a four day week for years now. And it's great for us. I, I personally love it. But that's what it's about. That's what pioneering is about for us. It's about being the example that we want to see um, and being prepared to take risks every now and then. Um, to try and follow that path. And do you work, do the team work five days or, th you know, full-time hours in four days? Um, no. So they take, they work for, they, they work four days. Ultimately yeah. they work. Um, we, we, we used to be, everyone was off on a Thursday, but that doesn't work um, anymore in that way. So people can choose Friday or Thursdays to take off. Um, and they just, and they work the four days. I mean, we've also got the culture of, we're all here for a reason. We're all here for the purpose, which is that at times people put in, you know, significantly more hours than a normal working day um, or normal working week. And that's the point of flexibility is that uh, it doesn't have to be fixed. Um, the other side of that, though, just to be um, fully transparent, is that what we've also learned is that sometimes we need to make sure people do take time off because they care so much that they'll work more or they'll work too much. And I think that's our... Um, that's something that everyone needs to be aware of is that, you know, people need to take their holidays. And sometimes when you don't allocate holidays, people just don't take them. So that's the other side of us being responsible and recognizing that there, sometimes we need actually need to say to people, take time off, please. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and listen, what, what's next for you, 
Bruce, what's next for you? What's next for your future ex? I want to create the number one service, if you like, for people who want to build better businesses. And by better businesses, we mean businesses that are sustainable, they are good for people and are good for planet. Um, and I think that the way we're going to do that is going to be a combination of a really powerful digital community that has access to all the resources, tools that they need online, but that that's brought to life at real world events and programs throughout the year. We bring people together. Hopefully that's in, the, in, a, in a post COVID world when we can get people together. But I think the digital tools is, is an amazing way to um, reduce the barriers to entrepreneurship and particularly reduce the barriers to purpose-led entrepreneurship, but that getting people together in, in, in real life, um, in the physical world, uh, always has a special element to it and, and we want to, to embrace that again when we can yeah and, and you know what I mean that sounds it sounds brilliant so who who is who is it for talk to me about your ideal sort of client so that's what we, that's what we're trying to create is different levels for people to engage our traditional bread and butter is um, startups so companies that have got an early bit of traction so they're getting going they're beyond idea stage um we're going to create and we still we do have at the moment but we're going to um uh, we're going to kind of improve it is a free kind of newsletter information for people who are at the very beginning of their journey and they're just looking to get an understanding of what is the ecosystem where can i go to learn and that's a very kind of basic easy to consume the next level up is actually providing that community where you can tap into events and programs for free as because you're a member, um, you can read from, you can read resources, but what's going to be really powerful is when it's the community sharing their experiences back. So I want to get to a place where if people are thinking about, you know, I need a, um, a shareholders agreement, that we can crowdsource shareholders agreements from across the community and create something that is purpose-driven for our group. And if people are looking at, you know, contracts or they're looking at, you know, interview questions or whatever it might be, is that we start to curate this from a purpose-driven community and we reshape the tools and resources that people go to when they're starting a business. And then our dream is eventually that'll, that'll, all, that'll be what people can find. You know, that, that becomes the default, the mainstream, um, and that any other style of business is seen as the, um, as the alternative. I mean, yeah, I mean, that's that that sounds that sounds fantastic. I'm I'm pretty much in awe of what you've achieved from such a young age. I think you said it was 16 or when you first 17, when you first started and, uh, you know, to where to where you are now, it's it's absolutely fantastic. What what's been the toughest part? Um, <clears throat> the toughest part is the mental um, the mental pressure that you put yourself under. So, you know, the, the stress, uh, you know, you said earlier, Caroline, about, you know, is this going to work? Is it worth it? You know, it, all those kind of things that, that, that those, it comes in waves and it comes in waves constantly. In fact, um, it's been very strange for me because I've done lots of really fun and exciting things. But every year I get this, I get this at least one point in the year where I question myself. I question, is this the right thing to do? Is this going to work the way I want it to? 
Um, and so that's quite, that can be quite draining. Um, and so I definitely think that's hard. I think at times the like financial instability has been hard, you know, growing your own business, it's not easy. Um, and so that the pressures that have come from that uh, have definitely been tough. But I think the key is to make sure you find enough moments in where you're like, ah, we're doing this for a really good reason. Um, and that's what, that's what spurs you on. Um, you also need to just be good to yourself and remind yourself is that we all feel this way sometimes and we need to take time off and chance to breathe and process and, and all that kind of good stuff. Um, it's easier said than done. Um, but you know, it's, it's something that it's something I'm increasingly doing more of is, is that particularly in the world of COVID is to try and take more time off because otherwise you could just spend just your, your whole life on the screen. Yeah, absolutely. I think we're all feeling that this year in particular, aren't we? Like the constant sort of um, on. And someone was telling me the other day that we don't blink as much when we're um, on a computer screen all the time. So um, I've been to the optician the last couple of weeks for two appointments and she said they've never been as busy (laughs) because people's eyesight started to go. So that's pretty scary. But the mental stuff's hard. It's, It's back to the original thing you talked about, Bruce, where it's really the conversation you have in your head is much harder than the than the reality i think and sometimes voicing your views and your thoughts on you know i'm having a i'm having a tough time at the moment i'm really struggling with this yeah. is normal it's just normal isn't it it's how we all yeah. feel i mean one of the funny things is i was just thinking there as well is the other thing i find quite hard sometimes is um is the balance between uh when you know when difficult things happen or you know frustrating things happen is responding based on you know, how Bruce Walker might respond, you know, as an individual, and then how Bruce Walker, CEO of Future X, needs to respond. Um, I find that constant battle. Um, and I'm trying to find a middle ground somewhere in between. Um, and so I think that's that's just a conditioning that I need to work on um, of how, what my knee-jerk response is sometimes versus what the kind of professional mind has to has to write back. <laughs> so, so what would Bruce Walker, the person... What advice would Bruce Walker, the person, give to someone who's a leader who is struggling with this? You know, we have to make money and we've got to think about our people and we have to keep our purpose on track and we've got to consider the planet. And oh, my God, it's all too much. Mm -hmm. Well, the Bruce Walker side of me is actually much more fiery than the CEO version of me. Um, And so that is part of what I say is that. is that why are we doing this? And we're doing this for this reason, which allows us to be quite fierce sometimes. So it allows you to make fierce decisions. So people think that being purpose-driven somehow makes you soft. I mean, for me, it's the absolute opposite. It makes me really quite fiery because I know why I'm doing it. I've got a, I've got a much greater reason, justification behind why I'm doing what I do. Um, so I think, you know, remember that is that you're looking after people because it's the best thing to do. It's the best thing to do for your business, for them, and for the greater good. But if you have people who are underperforming or are not right for the team, then you still need to be pretty focused on the fact that, you know, the way I might exit someone from the business will be compassionate and kind, but it doesn't mean I won't do it. And that's the key is that, you know, the way I approach things is through compassion, empathy, you know, greater consideration but it doesn't mean that I won't make hard decisions um, and I won't make quick decisions. It's just, that, and I have to make those decisions because I am conscious of the greater good. 
Yeah, you're right. There is this impression that, oh gosh, you know, it makes us a bit soft. We're not focused as much on the money. And I think you and I both talk about the fact that if you get this stuff right, if you get the people stuff right, if you get the philanthropic efforts right, that the money will come. Yeah. And profit's just as important uh, for, for a sustainable business, Absolutely. isn't it? Absolutely. But, Listen, Bruce, it's an absolute pleasure to speak to you. We're, we've, we've run out of time today, but um, thanks for joining us on one of our first ever Mind Your Peas podcasts. And I think there was lots of peas that you talked about, people, pioneering, purpose, popular, planet. Um, and I love the fact that you um, said right at the start that if you don't ask, you don't get. And, and you know, being pioneering is about being brave, but you're also not afraid to make those tough decisions. Um, so it's been great getting to know you. Thanks so much, Bruce. And I look Thank forward you. to hearing all about the the Bruce Walker versus Bruce Walker CEO antics of uh, 2021 and beyond. Yeah, I'll have to write a blog. <laughs>